From the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce, I'm Jeremy Henderson. And I'm Christy Gillenwater, and this is Chattanooga Works. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Chattanooga Works, a podcast from your Chattanooga Chamber of Commerce, keeping you informed about the work we do, both for you and our community every day. I'm Christy Gillenwater, President and CEO of the Chattanooga Chamber. And today we're going to be talking about the Healthy Chattanooga Coalition. This coalition is a group of employers working together with support from the City of Chattanooga and the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce to more strongly incentivize vaccine use among workers and increase vaccine rates across our city's employers. This is important, even given President Biden's Biden's executive orders impacting businesses over 100 employees. We believe this is important because we want our community to be safe and our economy thriving. We already have more than 25 companies that have pre-signed into this coalition, and we are going live with the coalition as this podcast airs. So today, joining me are some of the partners who are helping bring this effort to reality. First off, I'd like to introduce Mayor Tim Kelly, of course, Mayor with the City of Chattanooga. We then have Janelle Riley, CEO of CHI Memorial Health System. We also have Eric Fuller, President and CEO of US Express. And rounding out our crew today, we have Tom Glenn, President of Elders Ace Hardware. So let's go ahead and get started today. First of all, with Mayor, Mayor Kelly curious about this coalition and why you think this is important. Well, thank you, Christy, and, and thanks for doing this. Um, listen, I mean, my job as mayor is to try to keep Chattanooga uh, as healthy and safe as possible. And, uh, you know, obviously working with the Chamber of Commerce to keep our businesses open and uh, and thriving and keep the economy going is a, is a primary concern of mine. Uh, and, 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 you know, we've been clearly, it's no secret, struggling to get our our vaccination rate up to a uh, to to the requisite level to really get things under control here. So, you know, we're we're thinking every day about creative approaches to, uh, you know, to to drive that number north. And I think all of this was a was a logical outgrowth of that. For so so, thank you for for helping lead the way. Absolutely, and you know, we do have an overall goal of increasing our vaccine rate in the county to 60% by December 1. And that's something, you know, Janelle had provided us some feedback on. And I'm, I'm curious, Janelle, your thoughts on the importance of increasing the vaccine rate. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, there's many, many reasons why it's important to increase the vaccine rate in our community. First, um, for the individual, the COVID-19 vaccines are the most effective prevention tool that we have. Um, to protect uh, folks from uh, any severe disease that might result in hospitalization or death. It's safer and more effective than masking than social distancing, et cetera. Second, it's important for the whole community. Um, By increasing the vaccine rate, it helps us to achieve what's called population or herd immunity. 
Um, and that, that's the most important way we can slow the spread of this virus, we can prevent future mutations, and we can stop this pandemic forever. Third, um, it's really about the common good and doing our part, each and every one of us doing our part um, to protect our families, our friends, and our neighbors. So when it, the individuals vaccinated, um, they're protecting not only themselves, but they're protecting um, those who cannot be vaccinated, uh, be they newborns or children under 12 years of age, those who may have an allergic reaction to the vaccine, and those who are quite vulnerable because of other health conditions. And then fourth, I would just emphasize that it's important to preserve scarce healthcare resources for all patients. Um, right now we have patients who are suffering from heart attacks or strokes or need essential uh, cancer treatment. Um, and with the scarce resources that we have being deployed towards COVID patients, it's hard to care for those other patients. And so they're having sometimes to delay care or postpone, postpone care. And that can have really significant consequences for the non-COVID patients as well. Janelle, those are great points. And I know that that fourth one really hits to my heart. You know, I've already I, I had a friend who lost a parent you know, because they couldn't get access. It wasn't local, but um, it was in another state. But that's just, it's heartbreaking and those stories are real. So thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting as we pulled this coalition together, we talked through having different tier options for companies, right? And so companies can join in that, number one, we are encouraging the vaccine. Number two, we are incentivizing the vaccine. Or number three, we are mandating it. And Eric, this question for you, I'm, I'm curious, why do you think it's so important for employers to lead in this effort? Well, I think businesses have a responsibility for the safety and health of their employees and their customers, right? And so uh, we have to do everything we can to keep, to create a safe environment. And uh, by having multiple tiers, it allows companies that may have a different situation, like, for example, uh, you know, U.S. Express versus, uh, you know, CHI Memorial, we have a different workforce and uh, we have a different type of, of worker. We're also not in, in the healthcare uh, industry. And so we, uh, we, we would really like to, to mandate. I mean, we've really pushed it pretty aggressively, but we look at our workforce and uh, we have a distributed workforce. We have a lot of drivers, you know, nationwide. Um, unfortunately, that's a demographic that doesn't have a very high percentage of even desirability to be uh, vaccinated. And so we looked at it and believed that there's a real opportunity for us to push further vaccinations. But we realize as a, as a company with the workforce that we have that mandating vaccines is, is probably not the answer for us. And so every company kind of has a choice and they've got to look at their workforce and they've got to look at the implications to that workforce. And, you know, for a company like ourselves, we can't lose 50% of our drivers and, uh, and some fear that maybe it would be something like that 30, 40, 50% if we were to mandate. And so um, we can take a step like a tier two and we can, we can incentivize and we can have other things that we can try to get people to participate and get our numbers up without having to go to that 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 full step but i think everybody can play a role even that tier one is one that people can uh can participate in and still just try to push their workforce to get vaccinated 
you know, those are all great points, the kind of the need for a curated, you know, option, if you will. And, and I know in, in forming it, we also talked to Tom and Tom had some perspectives. He's always such a great um, thought leader around small businesses. And Tom, just curious, you know, you obviously have retail customers coming into your place of business. And uh, just curious from your lens, you know, the importance of this coalition and, and the role the small businesses also play. Uh, thank you, Christy. And again, thank you for pulling this together. Um, well, uh, a couple of things. One is that uh, we know that nationwide small businesses are the largest employers collectively. And so uh, there, there are a lot of people that work for us. And so it's important, I think, on, on big issues uh, that we're willing to lead. And so, um, you know, another thing about, I think, small business is uh, I think naturally human nature is the larger an organization, the larger the size of a group, fair or not fair, there's less trust maybe that's there. I, I guess it's less personal. And so there's that diminishing trust. And I think with small businesses, particularly those, you know, 10, 20 employees, uh, there's a connection there. And we, we oftentimes hear small businesses speak of kind of a family atmosphere. And so that family atmosphere really there, there is trust you know people you know you know their lives and so to the extent that uh, that owners of small businesses are comfortable and feel that vaccinations are the right way to go uh, i think their people want to hear them speak to that and uh and so again whether you, whether you go with tier one two or three even tier one, which is just encouraging people uh, to consider the vaccine, I think is really important and especially for small businesses. Uh, so uh, like Eric was saying, I mean, I, you know, we have a duty uh, to help protect our people. For us as retailers, of course we have, and, and we've been open the whole time like many retailers have, we were fortunate to be an essential business. It's been very taxing on our people. And we have that, that extra layer of responsibility. We're interacting with thousands of customers every week. And so we're potentially exposing them. So all these different protocols that we had to implement pretty quickly were important. But we know, I think Janelle has already said it, but we know the most, excuse my pun here, the most important tool in the toolbox uh, is that vaccine. And, uh, and so that's why we are encouraging it here in our business and we're offering some incentives as well. Thank you, Tom. And again, that, that small business piece, uh, we have thousands of small businesses out there. And again, you know, this is meant to also be a resource for you. And we'll talk a little bit more about additional resources, um, but you know, bringing to life uh, what other companies are doing within the coalition, et cetera, we think will be really important as we move forward. So thank you, Tom. You know, Mayor, back to you a little bit. I'm curious a little bit more on um, you know, what, what you and your administration are doing to help increase vaccine rates. I know you've partnered with the county a lot. You brought on Dr. Lambert. If you could talk a little bit more about your leadership in this space. Well, thank you, uh, Christy. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll actually let Mary, uh, Dr. Lambert, rather speak speak to this a little bit. But I'll just say, in general, again, we've been brainstorming uh, on a daily basis what we can do. And of course, we created uh, this vaccine incentive program that that uh, with again with the chamber's uh, help, just gives away a thousand dollars a week. That's been very effective so far. I think we've had twenty two thousand people sign up. 
uh, for that and uh, have given away uh, quite a bit of money thus far and some prizes from other chamber members that have uh, that have put that have uh, put the money up and I think that has raised awareness and sometimes it's just that one little extra why not thing so that's been helpful um, again we you know we have a dedicated site on on our um, uh, at connect.chattanooga.gov uh, for for COVID information and we we try our best to and we're working with our new communications director uh, Mary Beth Eichert to to um, you know to to make people uh, aware of where they can get vaccines where they can get tested um, as all the resources we can uh, that we can make available um, and then of course again we established a, an office of community health and we're lucky enough um, to find an incredibly qualified woman in Dr. Mary Lambert, uh, who is who has filled some roles uh, at the federal level, um, uh, you know, and and is is probably the most other overqualified person in the administration for a position. In fact, definitely is. Uh, but we're lucky to have her. She's a Chattanooga native, and uh, uh, so maybe Dr. Lambert, if you're uh, if you want to tell us more about what what you what you've been doing, I know I should also say we've been working with the Get Vaccinated Coalition here in Chattanooga. Um, to try to, you know, get them to kind of do do more, do as much as they can, get as creative as they can with reaching people and convince them to get vaccinated. And they've been doing a great job thus far. But uh, Dr. Lambert, have you got something to add? Yes, sir. Thank you, Mayor Kelly. Um, and it's and it's truly, you know, an honor to be working in this role, um, especially, you know, in my hometown, my hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, born and raised here, widowing and got some marvelous experience. And to be able to come back to my hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and use some of that marvelous experience that I was blessed to have at the White House, at CDC, at the FDA, um, is just absolutely, you know, a dream come true. It really is. But we're doing quite a few things in this office. Um, and I think the vision to set this office, to establish this office of community health for the city, um, is going to do great things and is doing some great things already. Uh, we are providing opportunities, uh, opportunities abound for individuals to receive their vaccination almost anywhere in the city at the community centers, um, 18, a network of 18 community centers. Uh, there's vaccinations available, free, no appointment necessary, um, at least three days a week. And then two days a week, um, vaccinations available, no appointment necessary, free at our public library downtown. Those locations will expand. We'll probably have some locations at churches, um, potentially at schools. So we're providing every opportunity that we can at every place that we can, opportunities for vaccination with these safe and effective vaccines. We're also partnering with folks like the Community Foundation of Greater Chattanooga and the Get Vaccinated Chattanooga campaign to provide information and awareness to debunk those myths that are out there that are creating the doubts that people have as to whether this is, this is a safe vaccine or not. It absolutely is. It's not an experiment. Um, and it would not have the even the emergency use authorization, although Pfizer now has, is, has been licensed, but it would not even have emergency use authorization if it were not proven to be safe and effective. Um, so uh, we're trying to de debunk some of those myths, provide information, um, and provide opportunities for vaccination everywhere that we can. We must get that number of vaccinated individuals in this community up to much higher than it is now. I believe we're around 46% for Hamilton County. Uh, the state, I believe, is 43%. We must get beyond that because with the, those low vaccination levels, 
what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for more variants. We're having enough trouble with Delta. We don't want to see any more variants to create more, even more problems for us. Um, we're really excited about what we can do in this community, and we really are excited about providing those vaccination opportunities and the information so that folks make the right decision so that we continue with an open city that is prosperous, that you know, business is open, um, folks are able to go where they want to go, but we've got to get that vaccination percentage up uh, from where it is. Um, now, I can talk for a long time, so I don't want to go on and on and on, but um, and I was trying to make sure that I hit all the points that I wanted to. I'm real, we're real pleased with the incentives that we're offering, incentives internally, city of city governor, government for employees, and then the the uh, incentive that the mayor just mentioned. Um, that's been really successful, um, uh, and I can't tell you how many folks I've talked to who um, were kind of you know not sure and had other things to do, but once they found out about that uh, incentive program, they. They were looking for a place and are calling and finding out where they can go to get their vaccination. It's most any day of the week. I believe at least six days a week, if not seven sometimes, there are vaccination opportunities that we're putting on in addition to the vaccination schedule that the health department and some of our other partners have, along with testing. Um, and until we get to that, that 60 or 70%, we've gotta be doing the other things as well, masking, social distancing, hand washing, we've got to be doing all those things. Um, so we've got to continue um, offering vaccination opportunities, encouraging individuals to get vaccinated um, and providing correct information. Well, thank you, Dr. Lambert. We appreciate your service and uh, definitely your work um, and leadership in this space. So thank you so much. And, and kind of tying on to that, the importance of masking vaccines, I mean, you know, Janelle, I'm, I'm curious to go back to you for a minute here on talking a little bit more on what you're seeing in the hospitals. Um, you know, the, the cases who haven't been vaccinated, et cetera. Just curious if you could shed some light on, on you know, on the front lines of the hospitals you're seeing. Yeah. Well, right now in our hospitals here in the region, the number of hospitalized COVID patients is greater than 150% of what our peak number of hospitalized patients was back in our winter surge. Um, and of those patients that are in the hospital, they are sicker and they are younger and 85% of them um, have not been vaccinated. So um, the hospitals across the country were also experiencing staffing shortages um, we, from the first surge, we have had um, folks who have had to leave the workforce to go home and take care of family members or children. We've had folks who have, from the stress of the first surge, have uh, decided to leave healthcare. Those are all creating um, additional burdens for us as a healthcare industry, again, across the country. Um, all the hospitals in the area have worked overnight uh, to expand the number of beds, to try and ex um, extend our staff by shifting staff from our outpatient areas to help support inpatient and ED care. Um, we're also working to moderate our surgeries while at the same time continue to prioritize emergent cases 
So again, we don't have the delayed care and the care that has to be postponed uh, like we did in the first surge. But it is getting more and more difficult with our numbers at 150% of our winter peak. And those numbers are continuing to increase. We are not seeing a leveling off of those in our region at this time. That is just, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking to hear. And I know it's something for those listeners, you know, as you see healthcare workers, you know, just lifting them up, reminding them how much we appreciate their service to our community because these times are so difficult. Um, you know, if you want to drop some food by, by you know, do, do your part to, to lift up and, and support our healthcare workers if needed right now. And uh, Janelle, you and, and, and your counterparts, I have to say, um, have worked together in ways like I've never witnessed before. And we can't thank you all enough for your collaboration and, and just, uh, you know, steadfast resilience in helping us get through this. So thank you. Um, you know, Eric, I'm curious to go back to you a little bit more. Of course, you also chair our CEO Roundtable, and I know you've heard a bit from some of your peers, you know, the, some of the larger companies in the community, what they're doing. I'm just curious, you know, from, from your thoughts about examples on whether you're a large business, small business, on how can you encourage vaccines? Yeah, there, there's a lot of creative ways that we can incentivize. And incentivize doesn't mean that I'm giving each person $200 for getting vaccinated, right? So there is a number of ways. Um, the city actually has a great example, um, that kind of lottery system. There are some great examples of companies that have given away, larger companies that have given away cars or vacations, but even smaller companies can do things where they've, they've enroll people who are vaccinated into a contest each week. And if you're vaccinated, you get to be in the contest. And if you're not vaccinated, you're just not a part of the contest. And so giving give away, it could be something small um, or it could be like at a larger business, maybe it's a, you know, a, a vacation each week. And then at the end of the year, they're giving away a car, they're giving away something bigger. And if you think about, that sounds like a lot of money, but when you think about the insurance cost and the impact to your workforce and the health and safety of your employees, it's actually pretty minimal. Um, so you could think about something like that. You could give, um, you know, just a, a, a little bit of a, you know, $100, $200, $50, whatever the number is. You could give uh, um, time off. I know that some have given kind of PTO time, so eight hours or 16 hours or something like that. Um, some have uh, had events that you had to be vaccinated for. Um, here at US Express, we had a uh, we had a, an event for our executive VPs and executives. And if uh, you were not vaccinated, you weren't able to attend, um, mainly from a safety and health perspective, but that does incentivize people to um, get vaccinated in order to attend certain, certain things. So I think there's, there's ways that you can be creative that don't necessarily require just giving money out. Those are great points, Eric. And yes, I've heard more and more examples of, you know, paid time off, half day for the first vaccine, another half day for the second. Um, you know, I even heard of one small business where the owner was giving out a hundred dollar bill if you could, you know, prove that you had been vaccinated. You know, so a lot of uh, creative things happening out there and we encourage that uh, for sure. Um, and Tom, might, it might go back to you a little bit in terms of, you know, what you're seeing. And of course, you're part of a larger um, cohort of other uh, ACE families, you know, what you're hearing from other ACE 
um, ACEs from throughout the country in terms of uh, incentivizing and encouraging the vaccine? Sure. Well, uh, I have to admit that uh, locally here, we're not as creative as some of the things that have been offered out there, but, uh, but, but we're basic. So uh, we've done the, uh, you know, the, the cash incentive. Uh, we couple that also now. We didn't do this the first round, but kind of the, the round that we're in now, not only is there a cash incentive, but also uh, there's time away from work. And frankly, at retail, with the last year and a half, I know healthcare has really been battered. We feel like to some degree, you know, we've been battered. People have had to step away, et cetera. But I tell you, just to get a couple of hours away from the stores, uh, you know, some people really feel a lot of relief from that. So um, uh, so we're, we're coupling those things together. You know, but I, I guess I feel like, uh, whereas um, maybe I feel a little differently, I think the incentives are nice, uh, and I think they can prompt somebody just to, just to make a decision. But at the end of the day, I've kind of felt here locally, at least, you know, the people aren't doing it for the money. They're, they're doing it because that the money might prompt them to make a decision, but they're doing it because as they consume more and more information, as, as people close to them are impacted, as they hear our hospital folks like Janelle talk about what's happening locally. I, I think it's turning the corner for many people when they, when they, when it, when it hits close to home. I know like in our church, we've had, gosh, just this summer, we had like three people pass away this summer uh, from COVID. And I've had a couple of friends, not, not here locally, but a couple of high school friends that have passed away. And I, I really think that kind of the cumulative nature of those facts help people make a decision. So what, what we're trying to do in addition to the incentives is just say, please, people continue to revisit your decision. Revisit what, what comes out, what's happening to our hospitals, what's happening to our healthcare workers locally, what hap what's happening to your family, what's happening with our coworkers around here, even some customers that you may hear about. And I do feel like our part of our role as employer is to say, don't make the decision once and don't come back and revisit it. Keep revisiting your decision. And, uh, and we'll do some things to try to help with that. But, um, but please revisit it and, and consider it uh, and, and just, you know, day by day. And again, with this new variant and the fact, like Janelle just said a minute ago, you know, younger people, sicker people, I think that's making a difference for a lot of our people as we continue to push that information to say, hey, here, here's what's happening. So we try to keep our people informed too. You know, and on the keeping your people informed, Tom, I think that's such a good point. And you know, this has been um, you know, a highly politicized discussion, which is heartbreaking when you know, we've had so many lives lost. So I sit here with you today with two children under the age um, of being vaccinated. You know, they're, they're not uh, approved yet. And so I have a lot of consternation, you know, just going out to events in the community, et cetera. Um, and, and it scares me. Um, and so that, that education piece, um, Tom, Eric, and, and really anyone can chime in here. What are you all doing to try to educate your folks? Um, so incentivizing is one discussion, but you know, as, as we've pointed out, the first tier of this coalition is 
is encouraging, which I think education is a part of encouraging, right? So, um, so Eric might go to you first on thoughts around, you know, educating and some of the tools you've used in the community. Yeah, so obviously what we have found is, is much medical data. I think when you get into politicians or even business leaders, um, we kind of get tuned out when it comes to this. I think that when we listen to our medical experts, that's where people really start to, to pay attention. I know we have had a couple of town halls where I've spoken and there's been a decent amount of pushback. And then we bring in somebody who's a medical professional. Uh, we have leveraged resources with, from Blue Cross and from others uh, to come in and speak to our workforce. And that's moved the needle more than anything. And so, you know, people want to hear from the medical community. And I think they really take it to heart. And that really changes a lot of, of you know, hearts and minds. And so, uh, you know, the more we can put information in people's hands from the medical community about the safety of the vaccine, the necessary uh, you know, reason for getting vaccinated, the issues that you're seeing, like at the hospital levels from Janelle and others, that type of information and data is compelling. Um, unfortunately, when I speak, or maybe even Mayor Kelly speaks, I think a lot of times, you know, people assume there's there may be an agenda there or something when there's somebody in the medical community, it's usually, um, it's accepted a little differently. And so for us, at least, that we've seen uh, better results by, you know, really leveraging information and data from the medical community. You know, and Eric, that's a great point. In fact, I've been so impressed with our medical community really stepping up and I've served on Mayor Coppinger's mask mandate committee for the past year task force, I should say. And, and many of our medical community leaders were uh, around that space participating in press conferences. Many of you, our listeners probably recall some of those. And those folks are very open and willing to come and talk to your employees, um, whether it's virtual, uh, typically virtual these days, but just want to lift that up as well. I know uh, Janelle's team have been out, they've done some circuits with us and others. Uh, Janelle, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know uh, for CHI Memorial, for Erlanger, for HCA Park Ridge, we have uh, medical experts that are willing to uh, get on podcasts, to get our, on videos, to um, do town halls, uh, virtual town halls. Uh, they would be more than happy to do that. And I know they have done that for many employers in the community. In addition, you know, any of our physicians in any of our clinics across the region, and I say that collectively again for all the hospital systems in the region, they are, they are the medical experts and having, there's nothing I think more influential than having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with your trusted primary care physician, your trusted specialist physician. Um, they can, and they are the experts. They can give you really sound advice. Um, we have videos that we've put out. We'll be willing to share with folks. We have um, uh, we can link folks to uh, credible research sources, science research sources. Uh, so we are more than happy to help any and all employers or individuals uh, get the credible uh, research and information they need to make an informed decision. Thank you. Mayor Kelly, Dr. Lambert, anything you would like to lift up on the education side of the house? Well, I think, oh, sorry, go ahead, Dr. Lambert. Go ahead, sir. Well, I was just going to say, Eric had a great point. Uh, I think 
that's probably better left to the experts. I think people naturally expect uh, politicians to have an agenda. And, um, you know, although I can honestly say I don't, other than the health and safety of Chattanooga, uh, it's, it's, it really is better off coming uh, uh, from the experts who, who know best and who don't, you know, are beyond reproach in terms of their, in terms of their motives. And uh, so with that, I will, I will let the expert in my office, Dr. Lambert, speak to the problem. <laughs> Well, thank you, Mayor Kelly. You know, and I and I agree with Janelle absolutely, uh, absolutely correct as far as providing the information um, that uh, providing information to individuals from experts, uh, providing information from from experts, so that um, people know that the, that the folks that they're getting that information from is um, is accurate, um, is from a source that can be trusted. Um, and in many communities, there's, there's a, and with many employees, it, it may be a matter of uh, trusted individuals um, uh, from their communities uh, that they can talk with, whether it's a, a community meeting, podcast, whatever it is. We're certainly developing, um, in addition to utilizing the CDC, FDA, and a number of other um, academic institutions uh, for their expertise. I, I tend to tap Emory, um, the CDC in Atlanta, I still have colleagues there, um, uh, Vanderbilt University, I still have a faculty appointment there. I tend to tap those and some Johns Hopkins as well, Bloomberg, Bloomberg School of uh, Public Health. Um, I tend to tap them and see what they have. Um, don't believe in reinventing the wheel and those folks are oftentimes uh, close to the research, uh, especially in the Washington area, NIH, and then Atlanta at CDC. So uh, we utilize, we're gonna be utilizing a lot of their information. We'll be developing what we need for this community. And we certainly, uh, I believe we would be happy to, to share what we develop because it is for the community to provide them the correct information about the vaccine and their choices and why they need to choose to have a vaccination. Thank you, Dr. Lambert. I know you've been collaborating with the County Health Department on, on content, et cetera, and that's so very important. So we're, we're so appreciative of that partnership. Appreciate your feedback there. Um, Tom, anything else on the education piece that you wanted to lift up? Anything creative that you've seen out there as well? Oh, well, again, you, you're calling on the wrong guy for creativity, but, but I do have another thought, and my thought is this, and hopefully it's not controversial, uh, but, you know, uh, leaders are put in a position to lead, and I think, I think one way that you lead is you make sure your people understand the answer to the question, why? Why am I doing this? And I think leaders... If, if leaders coerce their people, they don't get the same buy-in and, and they get resistance. But if you can educate, if you can answer the question effectively why to your people, then just like a healthy culture, you want, you want your people, they have to voluntarily follow the leader. If they're coerced, then culture doesn't work. And in this case, I think cooperation maybe doesn't work. So to the extent, uh, and I'll particularly speak to small businesses on this, because I think they can be particularly effective, uh, again, in the cultures in which they operate. And if they can answer the why, and if they can give the information, 
then I think they can effectively lead on this issue. This is not an issue where we're, uh, you know, accustomed to leading on. I mean, I'm used to leading on hardware and customer service. I'm not used to leading on health, but, but this is where we are. And so uh, I think it's important that we do lead, but we got to answer the why and we've got to provide the information. And I think with that, we will get voluntary buy-in. And I think that's much more powerful. I think that will accomplish what the mayor wants to accomplish. And that is to get our city because we cannot coerce everybody in the city to get the vaccine. But if we can answer the why and we can lead company by company, then we can get to the mayor's goal of 60% and Lord willing, we can get beyond that. Tom, as always, uh, succinct and clear, uh, the answer to the question why, and, and you're, I think you're exactly on, on point there. And this is something that, you know, it's hard, I think, about our listeners and our small businesses out there. I mean, health is not what you do, many of you, right? It's, it's um, you, you sell a product or service here. You um, might have a, a global market, right? Um, you know other uh, you have other skill sets, not necessarily around health. And that's one of the key components of this coalition, like I said, is lifting up information and resources and cross-sharing because this is not easy. Um, but we are definitely stronger if we try to approach this together um, to, again, achieve that 60% or ideally higher. You know, we knew we needed to hit higher than the 46, 47% where we currently sit. Um, so I appreciate everyone's activity and your active listening on this. Um, any, anyone have some shared closing comments, uh, a point you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Christy, this is Janelle. You know, I, I'd, I'd say, uh, first of all, you know, I, I applaud the chamber. I applaud the mayor for setting this goal of hitting a 60% vaccination rate by December 1st. Uh, the urgency is now. Um, we do need to stop this spread. We need, do need to stop this pandemic. We've got to prevent future variants from coming for both public health reasons and for economic reasons. So I think it's important. I think it's important um, for all of us to help our families and friends and neighbors. And uh, let's help prevent folks from being hospitalized or something more severe, even death. So um, I applaud every employer in this community that's taking the leadership that Tom articulated. Uh, that is, uh, it's, it's commendable. And it is what we need to do in this time. We need to lead. And um, I appreciate every employer's attention to that. Yeah, and I would just say, well said, Chanel, and, and well said, Tom, we're not going to, um, you know, clearly shame or bully or cajole anybody into getting uh, this vaccine. It is an educational uh, process. And again, if uh, if there are people that are, that are a little scared and on the fence, uh, you know, Chattanooga has a very strong sense of place and a strong sense of community and concern for each other. Um, and that, as much as anything for me, is the why. Um, it's 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 a it's an expression of love thy neighbor. I mean, it's we're all in this boat together, um, and it's the same reason we don't throw litter out the window, right? It doesn't just affect you; it affects everybody around you. And uh, there are lives on the line here, so you know. Hopefully, we can continue to you know get the message out there and and drive that vaccination rate north. Yes. And I, and 
Janelle, I, and, yeah, I so agree with what, the, what Janelle and, and the mayor have said. Um, what I'd you know, like to add just for emphasis, if nothing else, is that we must drive that vaccination rate north of 60, north of 60%, for not just for public health reasons, but for economic and you know, the well-being of all of us. We must drive that number north. We don't want to continue to do this, uh, continue to um, level out and then to surge and level out and surge. And the fact that we're coming off of a major holiday, we've got schools back in again, there's every reason to believe it's gonna continue to go up unless we get that vaccination rate up. But it's, and it's not just for public health reasons. It's for, it's for economic reasons. It's for reasons of, our, reasons of our businesses doing well and individuals being able to move about it and do what they would like to do. We've got to be able to move that number north of 60%. And Dr. Lambert, you bring up a great point. You know, the, the Times Free Press, you know, with this visual, right, on the front page of the paper around how numbers have spiked in our schools. And, you know, I think about... Um, doing my duty to protect kids, um, to protect those who, you know, perhaps they're fighting the fight of their life, um, you know, and their oncologist is telling them, you know, you're struggling with cancer right now. I'm not sure about this vaccine for you or whatever their health issue might be. You know, can those of us who are um, able, you know, go ahead and get vaccinated to protect, to the mayor's point, our neighbors. It's, it's such an important duty right now. So, um, well, I cannot thank each one of our panelists enough for joining us today for this podcast, for being partners in the Healthy Chattanooga Coalition. A special thanks uh, to the city for partnering with the chamber on uh, executing on this coalition. And as always, thank you to our listeners for being with us. Uh, please stay tuned to this podcast feed. We'll have more episodes showing up here again soon. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about the coalition or any other work of the chamber, please visit our website at chattanoogachamber.com. Uh, I encourage you to go there, take a, list, a look at the list of employers who have already signed on, and we hope you'll consider signing on yourself. Um, and again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we did uh, take into account President Biden's executive orders, and we will have a webinar soon featuring more details on those executive orders and how they impact businesses in our region. But until next time, again, thanks for joining with us. You've been listening to Chattanooga Works. Thank you. Thank you.